New Anthem Church. This is Chris Hodges at Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm really excited to be a part of your service today, but before we get into the message, let me encourage you to keep up the great work you're doing there in the Park City, Kansas area. You know, every time you pray, serve, and give, you're making an eternal difference in people's lives, and all of us here at Highlands are cheering you on. We all have questions. Questions like, why is it called a building if it's already built? Why is there no egg in eggplant? And do penguins have knees? But some questions are more important than others. This past Easter, we gave a survey to find your most asked questions. Questions like, how do I hear God's voice? How can I deal with difficult people? What does the Bible say about forgiveness and heaven? And what's the answer for all of my stress? Every week, we're going to answer your most asked questions and discover God's best plan because you asked for it. All right. Welcome to week number four of a six-part series called You Asked For It. Let me take a moment like I always do and look into the camera and just think about all the campuses all across the state and the men and women in the correctional facilities that we have the honor of being in every single week. And just know, guys, how much we love you. For wherever you are watching, somewhere around the world online, we're so glad you're along for the ride. Come on, Gretzville. Say hello like you never have before. God bless your church. We love you so much. Very exciting. So this series began uh, because of something that Jesus did, and that is oftentimes that the sermon topics that are in the Bible, Jesus' actual sermons, came from questions that the crowd posed. So they asked a question, and Jesus answered it, and it turned into a beautiful message. And we want to do the same thing so that we make sure that we're covering the material that you want to know about, and that are it's relevant to your life. We try very hard to be as authentic and as relevant as possible, and we think this series helps us out. So today we're going to cover a topic that has been the only question you have asked all four years that we have done this uh, little survey every Easter, and that we always get new new questions every year, but oh, this one st- keeps popping up every single year, and that is, how in the world am I going to handle my stress? And the truth is, the world is more stressed out than ever before. In fact, Tammy and I did a little Q&A with the ladies of Recreate this past weekend, had a ball with that, and a lot of the questions talked about balancing life and time and stressed out with kids and jobs and recreational activities and sports and busy weekends. And then you throw all the other pressures of life on top of that. And the world is pretty stressed out. In fact, I did a little study for you this week. There are actually stress institutes. And I've done some study from some of their research and found out that 44% of Americans say they have more stress than they did five years ago. So if that's true, it's growing uh, at, at the rate of about 10% of year, your stress levels. In fact, they say one out of five are in what they would call extreme stress, meaning you're having physical, uh, there's, you can tell in your body, you're shaking, right? Your heart's beating a little too fast. Uh, you're not sleeping well. You're depressed. One out of five. Uh, that's pretty epidemic if you ask me. And they say that 60% of all illnesses and diseases have their root uh, in our stress levels. So that's, that's playing a role in how sick we're getting. So obviously a relevant topic. And the good news is, is God's word has a whole lot to say about this. And I always like anytime we cover a topic to make sure we're isolating where it comes from. So not in your notes. I just thought I'd make a list of 
you know, what, what are these stresses and, and, and where, where, where do they come from and what are they all about? And you don't have to write these down. This is just kind of see if, you know, all of us probably have at least one or two on this list because a lot of our stresses come from two of your questions. The ones that uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle and, uh, and Pastor Dina Rizzo covered the last two weeks that you asked for. And that is all about our relationships. How do I forgive? How to deal with difficult people and relationships certainly are a cause of stress. And a lot of that comes from the conflict um, that we have and, and b- between our relationships, a lot of people, your stress is coming from the fact that I'm married. That's my stress, right? I'm sitting next to my stress right now. Okay. Um, um, and then it's, and then there's a whole nother group of people says I'm stressed because I'm not married. <laughs> I, I, I want to be in them. And there's, then there's deadlines. Some of you are thinking about those right now. The things that are due your homework, um, your, your, your term papers, your, your research projects, the work that uh, you have uh, on your job. So there's deadlines and then there's legal problems. Well, that's a tough one. And then there's, of course, there's divorce you know, whenever you have a separations in the home. And then you've got the fact that I have this new job and it's just, it's stressing me out. And somebody say, no, it's the old job that's stressing me out. And, and then you have, of course, illnesses that again, have their root uh, they actually have their root in our stress level. And now that we get sick, we get more stress. It kind of adds uh, insult to injury there. And then you got parenting. Boy, that's a stressful, boy, it was for Tammy and me, that the whole parenting thing. Then you've got these expectations of everybody ha- wants something from you. Everybody wants you to live. They're, they're expecting from you really a lot of times things that only God can give them, and but they expect you to do it. And here's a big one, and that is unresolved sin. When you're carrying your shame and your guilt and you know you're in sin and you haven't really resolved that, boy, that, that'll wear you out. And can I just tell you right here, don't leave here with your sin. I mean, just go ahead and put it at the foot of Jesus today while you're in church. And then last but not least, huge source of stress um, is, is less miles. So anybody... <laughs> So, <laughs> so if you're new to our church, I'm from Baton Rouge. I went to LSU and God helped me. And so anyway, I kind of feel like Miss Columbia at that Miss Universe pageant. Like, you're the winner. No, you're not. Steve Harvey. Like, so, psych. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. So I didn't sleep well last night. So, um. <laughs> but the truth is we all have a lot of sources of, of stress in our lives. And the Bible talks a lot about it. In fact, Jesus promised you it was going to come. And I like to always begin with this because I think people misunderstand what God's promises are. I think some people think God's promises, God promises you never have anything go wrong. And that's, that's not his promise. In fact, he promised the very opposite. He promised you everything would go wrong. He said in, in, in John chapter 16, verse 33, I told you these things so that in me, you can have some peace in this world. You will have trouble. Like, it's going to happen. I saw a church sign. You know, the, the churches that have the little movable letter kiosk signs. Um, it, it said, Jesus is coming soon. And hopefully it happens before the election. So <laughs> yeah, in this, in this world, uh, you're going to have some trouble. Uh, but the God's solution isn't to take the trouble from your life. It's that in the middle of your trouble, you can still have peace. And that's what I want to show you today, that I can't guarantee your circumstances will change. What I can guarantee you is there is peace available in the middle of your circumstances. Another verse in the Psalms. I love this verse. Many, not a few, many 
are the afflictions of a righteous person. Even people who love God. So for those of you who said, God, what in the world's going on? I'm praying. No, it doesn't work that way. That's bad theology. Well, God, I, I was trying to be a good person. I went to church every Sunday this month. That doesn't work that way, okay? It, it, he doesn't reward that with taking all your troubles away. No, the purpose of all those things, reading your Bible and praying and giving and serving, all those things, all those things, they just facilitate the ability to have the Lord deliver you from out of all of them. The closer you get to God, the more you're in love with the Lord. He doesn't take the thing away. He gives you the capacity in the middle of the thing to stand strong. And that's what I want to help you do today. In fact, I love this word that I've highlighted on the top line there. Many are the afflictions. The Hebrew, Old Testament Hebrew, that word is the Assyrian form of torture. Same word that's used for this Assyrian form of torture where the word literally means to stand you up on a post tie you to it, and then rock by rock, pile it on you until it crushes you dead. That's the word. And for some of you, you came to church, and that's what you feel like. You almost feel like if, they're put, if they put one more rock on me, if one more thing comes in my life, I am dead. And my heart goes out to you. In fact, one of the best things that's happened for Tammy and me over the last couple of days is to read your, all your questions. When the ladies have recreated our women's conference, our annual conference that we had this past week, and they submitted all these questions. Uh, Tammy actually, I was actually looking for her because the session was about to start and she's supposed to do it with me. I can't find her. And she's in the restroom, uh, but had been in there a long time. And I was like, honey, it's, it's time. We got, we got to go. Let's, you know, and, and she came out with tissue in hands, just sobbing and saying, I was just reading all over the questions and I was just in there praying, praying for all of you. We realized that life uh, is tough and that you come in at a place like this and you're trying to put a good smile on and you're trying to do the best you can. But I want to make sure you leave here with some promises and some principles from God's word that can change your life. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? We love, we love you. I want you to know that how much Tammy and I love you and the church team loves you. And I just have fallen in love with one passage. In fact, this rarely happens to me this way where just really one verse or one passage of scripture just it, it arrested me. I couldn't get away from it. And, and I had other plans for this handout. I was going to give you a lot of practical principles of how to deal with your stress. And I just, I just couldn't get away from the beautiful principles found in Psalm 62. In fact, I, I've fallen in such love with it. I would love for all of our campuses, uh, every one of you, even if you're watching online, if you would read this aloud with me. Come on, every voice, say it strong with me. Here we go. Find rest, O oh my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaking. Keep reading. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times. O oh, people, pour out your hearts to him. For God is our refuge. And then it puts this little word there at the end that's found 77 times in the Psalms because it's a musical term and it's the word Selah. And you may not know what that means, but it's a Hebrew musical term. In fact, all these Psalms were sung. So they, were, they, were, they, they would sing these Psalms. Selah was basically, hey, we just sang the song. Let's let the band play it one time, but don't sing it. Just think about it. It literally means think on these things. Pause, reflect, and I'm so glad you're at church today because I think what this place offers you every single week is that refuge. 
A place to, where all the confusion and all the, the signals and pains and problems and just the things that the world offers you, just bombarding your mind, you come in and you're able to redirect your thoughts. And I even in this message want to slow down just a little bit and let you reflect on the goodness of God and let the strength of God come inside of you. There's a man in our church that if I said his name, every single one of you in this room would know who he is. Uh, we, have, we have several people in the sports world, in the Alabama sports world. I could give you probably 10 names that you, that you would recognize that come, to this, that come to this church. And there's one of them in particularly that I talk to every single week. And I just personally mentor and just discipling a little bit. And he says, Chris, the only place that I find peace every week, the only place is when I'm in church. And I said, well, I'm going to help you find that at other places too. I'm glad it's happening here. But you need to know there is a place. There's a place in the middle of your stress that you can go to. And there's rest for your soul. And, it, and, and I'm glad it happens here, but it needs to happen in other places than here. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? And the next passage is in that I'm going to read. But it gives us a clue, two places to look for that rest. And it says in the next verse, Low-born men, and that just means average people, are but a breath. In other words, they're, they're just here and they're gone, just like we all know that our lives are just really short. And the high-born, and that means people that we would call successful, are really, that's, that success is a lie. It, it's, it's not what you think it is. So the people that you think are happy because you think that their earth success made them happy, it didn't. They're probably more miserable than you. That's, that's in that verse there. And if they were weighed, if, they, if you really looked at their life, if you weighed it on a balance, they're nothing. And in fact, together, they're only a breath. So both of them had the same condition, and that is their time is short. They're, they're, just, they're just a mist, the book of James says. And then notice it goes from that topic that we're going to talk about to another topic in the next passage of this same scripture. And do not trust in extortion or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase... Hey, don't fall in love with that stuff. Don't think that that will make you happy either. He, he deals with two issues. I call them the, the two main culprits of stress. Actually, there are three relationships, I think, are number one cause of stress. But we've already dealt with that in the two previous Sundays. So let me give you the other two that Psalm 62 brought up. And the first he brought up that whole issue of your life being weighed. And that your life is, is, is just this little breath. It's here and it's gone. And I want you to write this word down. And that is, most of our stress comes from our use of time. Time. That somehow, someway, we're going to have, have, have to get a grasp on how we spend our time. And let me just say it as plain as I can. This is my pastor hat on now. You can't do everything you're currently doing. It's just impossible. And until we come to the place we say... Man, I'm going to figure out what my life's really all about. And I'm going to focus my time and my energies on those things. And stop trying to do everything everybody asks me to do all the time. If you don't, you're going to burn out. I just finished a book manuscript. It'll be my third book uh, that I've written. And I've turned it into the publisher. It's in their hands for the next four or five months while the editing process takes place. And Lord willing, and the creek don't rise in April or so, that we're going to release a book that I hope is going to be a playbook for how to live a Christian life in an un ungodly culture. 
um, I based it on the book of Daniel and the life of Daniel. And so that the book of Daniel is just all in me because for the past four months, I, I, I've been spending at least two hours a day writing. And, um, and so I'm just consumed with it right now. And in the book of Daniel, when I read those verses in, in Psalm 62, that your life is weighed and it's a breath, it reminded me of that Daniel chapter five of the handwriting on the wall. Remember that story where this guy's life is out of control and this hand just appears. Now, we don't know if the hand was just floating in the room by itself. We don't know if it did the Adams family thing, came out of a box. We don't know what it did. You know, It just starts writing an inscription on the wall. And the inscription that was written on the wall was many, many Tico Parson. No one could translate. Daniel could. And Daniel comes along and says, here's what those words mean. The many, the first word, many that God has numbered your days of your reign. And he's brought it to an end. Your days are numbered. The word tekel means that your life has been weighed. You see the Psalm 62 here? And it's been found wanting. So we weighed your life and it doesn't add up. It's not, it's, it's not, it's out of balance. And Paris, your, your kingdom is divided. In, in other words, it was saying that your days are numbered. Your lives are out of balance. And if you don't do something about it, it's going to cost you something. That's what that prophecy means. And I would say that to you as well, that your days are numbered. So you only have a few of them left, honestly. Okay, and, and, and if we all look at our lives and if we ask the people around us, they would say, you know, it's out of order. It's not in the right place. And if you don't do something about it, it'll cost you something. That's why you came to church for, to hear a prophetic warning from God so that you can make some course adjustments. And if you'll notice, I left some blanks on that first page down at the bottom because I think every one of us need to write down something differently. But I would encourage you regularly. Here's the takeaway. And that is to look at your schedule. Look at your life. Look how much you're trying to put in your life and ask yourself, is this right? Is it in balance or is it out of balance? Now, this is something I do. You ready for this? Every single week of my life. And then Tammy and I do it together. We look at our calendars. We say, you know, where does this fit? We got to put our priorities in there. Time with God, time with each other, time with the kids. Can we fit other things? If not, we make some decisions. One of the best things you can do on your Sabbath is not just go to church and call it a day. Go home and have some more Sabbath. Go home and look at your life and let what God has spoken to you in church. Let it help you adjust some things. And we all need some adjustment from time to time. Several years ago, some of you know this story. Uh, about five years ago, um, the church was 10 years old. We were growing, you know, just crazy growth in the first 10 years, which is all fine and dandy. But, you know, you're, you're trying to keep up with it as, at the same time. Just finished burying the third of our four parents, Tammy and me. She lost both mom and dad and lost my father. And, and, and not only did you go through the grief of all of that, but I had to do the funerals. And I say had to. It was my honor to do the funerals for all three of those. But, you know, I'm trying to be a leader. And then I'm kind of personally grieving in the process as well. Um, and, and, and because the church had grown, you know, people... You know, think I, I know something. I always tell people I, I, I knew the same thing before I planted the church. It's just I think the the the, the success of the church. Uh, they think I I know something more, and I don't. But they, now everybody wants me to kind of speak, and I I get a lot of invitations. I probably only say yes to one out of twenty uh, of the invitations that I get. But I was traveling right there in the middle of all of that, really very weary, to be very honest with you. And, and, um, and had gone to Australia. And if you ever make that trip, you know, it takes a lot of hours just to get to LA. And then when you get to LA, you got a 14 hour flight to Sydney. 
And you, you leave, you leave on a Wednesday, you arrive on a Friday, you miss an entire day in the air. You cross the international date line, you land early in the morning. I went straight to a speaking engagement that began at noon and then flew to another city in Australia to go to do a Friday night service and then came and flew back to another city and did a couple of Sunday services, Saturday services. And then I preached all day Sunday morning and, and I was tired, but the, the pastor said, Hey, let's take, let's, let, let's, let's go out, let's go out and uh, enjoy the evening. And so we actually were, were driving out in the country side kangaroos are hopping suns are setting i'm doing just fine and then all of a sudden i have every symptom of a heart attack like my arm goes numb my heart's beating crazy i'm sweating i can't breathe a 300 pound man sitting on my chest is what it felt like i can't breathe pull over i can't breathe i can't breathe and they call an ambulance long story short i was fine kind of preached my way through the rest of the week but i still kind of felt this weariness this strange Weariness came home, let some heart specialists look at me and, and, uh, and they, they did several procedures to, to, to check on me. And they said, look, Pastor Chris, your heart and you're, 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 you're very healthy. Uh, that's the good news. The bad news is you're crazy. And so, um, he said, what you had was, was similar to a nervous breakdown. You had over caffeinated, you had jet lag, you were doing too much. And I got together with the elders of the church and some of the staff team and, and I just made myself accountable to them and said, look, I need some help. And we, we instituted some things like you need to do some things like this. Like I would never travel like that again to this day for the past five years. When I travel that far, 24, when I land, it, I, I can't speak for 24 hours. I rest when I, when I land there just to make sure I'm not going to overdo it. I've changed some things about my caffeine intake and all of that and just, just changed some things, uh, reduced the travel down to the, to, unless it just totally fits my purpose. And then regularly just kind of keep that all in check to make sure we're all okay. And I just say, you know, that it's important for all of us to look at our time. And I'm encouraging you to do this. Is it in the right place? And if it's not, make some course adjustments and then talk about it regularly. And then the Psalm 62 text goes to the second culprit. And it talks about our riches or write, write this down, our money. And we all know if there's ever going to be a source of stress, it's going to be in the area of money. And it's a great thing for all of us just to regularly look at our money, how we're spending it, how we're taking care of it. Where is it going? Is it going in some of the wrong places? Because when, bad, when decisions are made there that are bad, man, it, the world falls apart. Part, Tammy and I, we had about a first five years of our marriage, we kind of had to come apart with our finances. And we had moved to Colorado to be youth pastors at a church. And I thought I would just die if I didn't have four-wheel drive, you know. And I had a perfectly fine car and went and got, went and got, me, a, got me a four-wheel drive car because I just thought, boy, if I didn't have it, I was just going to certainly die on these highways. And, and, uh, and I was going to be perfectly fine, truth be known. And, uh, but just really believed I had to have that and got upside down, couldn't make the payments, you know, and had to get rid of it. And then I was in debt with, with a car that was much less than that. And then we... We just, we did several things like that. And I remember the day we just, we just had a come to Jesus moment where we know what, why not let today be the day? And it was about, we're about five years into our marriage that we said, however long it takes, let's get out of debt. Let's just make this a goal. We're going to get out of debt. And it took us years and years. We went to small groups. It's something like you need to do. Go to a small group and look, you know, Maybe we can't do it all in one semester, but we'll start with something. And we made some course adjustments in our life like all of us need to do. The Bible says that in 1 Timothy, money's fine, 
but the, but the love of it will mess you up. Godliness with, say the word out loud, godliness with contentment is great gain. That we need to look at our lives and make sure we're not letting greed and just wanting and well, we're getting all the signals from society constantly telling us to spend more that we're not going to fall into that trap for we brought nothing into this world and we will take nothing out of it. There are no U-Hauls behind a hearse. Can I get an amen? All right. But if we have food and clothing, Paul said, we will be content with that. We're going to kind of simplify our lives for those who want to get rich. They fall into temptations and into traps and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Pretty strong statement there. For the love of money, not money, but the love of it, or a, or a bad understanding of it, is the root of all kind of evil. And let's just put our word in there. It's the root of all kinds of stress, too. It's the number one fight in a family. It's the number one cause of divorce. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. They've left God over this issue and have pierced themselves with many griefs. It'll absolutely, it's the same thing in that is I'm encouraging you to, to do whatever it takes to say, you know what, we're going to put this back in order. Now, I was going to teach principles um, and practical, but I, I got, fell in love with some of these principles today. And when I started just researching through the scriptures about rest in my soul, rest in my soul, how do I get rest in my soul? And I found a verse for you that I want to show you out of Jeremiah. And it says this. It says, this is what the Lord says. So I want you to hear it like that. It's not what the Bible says. It's not what Chris is saying. This is what the Lord says about your stress. Stand at the crossroad and look. In other words, an intersection has been built. I just did it. I just basically said, yes, we all have some fixing to do in our time and our money. So I've, we've created a crossroad. So in other words, you can keep going down the road you are going on, or you can, you can get off that road. Stand at the crossroad and, and ask for the ancient past. In other words, go back to some good old-fashioned biblical God principles because God's way works. God's way works. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? Yeah, God, that's why you're here today because you believe that. And ask where the good way is and walk in it. And if you'll do it God's way, you will take that old ancient path. You will find, there's the phrase again, rest for your souls. So as, instead of telling you exactly what to do with your time, your money, Honestly, for every one of us, it's a different thing. Let me just give you some principles that will help you figure it out for yourself. And that is, it'll always begin, both time and money. You'll never know how to spend your time. You'll never know how to spend your money until you live with a sense of purpose and urgency. That's a fact. Let me say it this way. One of the best ways for you to know what to do is to define your, what your life is all about. Because I know what my life's all about. It makes it so easy for me to say yes to certain things and no to other things. Because now, listen to me, I'm making decisions, time and money decisions based on does this contribute to my purpose or not? Because I only have a few years left. I mean, honestly, if my life is but a breath, I only have a little bit of time left to finish what God's called me to do. I am a man of purpose. You are a person of purpose as well. So why not just live my life as intentionally as I can toward that purpose? Well, you can't unless you know what that purpose is. And that's why one of the greatest gifts I think Church of the Highlands brings you is a pathway of discovering this. 
Our, our four purposes are at this church. They're all over the walls. They're everywhere. They're in your worship. God, they're everywhere. And that is, we want you to fall in love with God. We want you to pray and seek his face and learn how to read your Bible every day and come to church every opportunity you get and just love God, know God, love God. Why? Because he's the one who can bring that, that clarity to your life. You're going to have to settle your yesterdays, find freedom. We all have some hang up, some issue, some roadblock, some habit, some addiction. All right, we got to find freedom. And we think that the best place for you to find freedom is in a place where you have the confidence to take your mask off and say, can I tell you what my problem is? So we want you to go to a group, get in a small group. And it won't happen on week one, but hopefully by week four or five, we're getting close to that moment where you trust them, you love them, and you you figure actually they got at least as many loose screws as you do. And you kind of figure that out about them that you go... Can we talk? Can, we, can, you hear, can I tell you what's going on in my life? And, and please hear me. If you do, you will find freedom. If you confess your faults one to another and pray for each other, you will be healed, James 5.16 says. It'll happen, I promise you. Groups, groups are so important. Then we want you to get on the growth track because what the growth track is is four Sundays to help you discover why you're on this planet. And you cannot, listen to me, church, you cannot make decisions about your time and your money if you don't know why you're here. But as soon as you do, oh my goodness, now the wisdom of life consists in the elimination of the non-essentials. I'm so sorry, I can't do that because it doesn't contribute to my purpose. I'm so sorry, I can't spend money on that. It doesn't contribute to my purpose. I know exactly how I live my life now. I got, I got five offers uh, this past week to... to um, for free tickets, I mean, 50 yard line, 10 rows up kind of tickets, sometimes in those, in those suites with all the, the food to the, to the LSU Auburn football game. Very grateful, very kind, very generous. I don't go to football games on Saturday at all. And I'm very glad I didn't last night. All right. So, <laughs> but I don't go, I don't go at all. I don't, so, I mean, I appreciate the invitations. It will 100% every time be a no, 100%. Because whatever I do on Saturday affects how I am on Sunday. So I have to get, I have to get, it's just, it's a fact. I have to, I had one of our college students at, at Highlands College say, man, that's a huge sacrifice. I said, no, it's not. It's the joy of my life because, because Saturday's not my purpose. Sunday's my purpose. So it's not hard for me to say no, because I love what I get to do every Sunday. Are y'all seeing what I'm talking about? Once you know why you're on the planet, you know what to say no to. You know what to say yes to. And it's so easy. And I need you to discover your purpose. That's why I need you to just give me four Sundays. Four, four, get, get on the, the steps. Today is step four. You can start on any step. You can start today. Just come back the next week and do one, two, and three. I mean, just, just, just get on the growth track so that you can live your life doing what you were called to do. And that is to make a difference. That's what your life's all about. And today is step four. It's the step it's the step where you get on a team somewhere. It's a step where, you, where you, you bring even clarity to your Sunday. You bring clarity to the fact that you are a minister. You're called to do something that makes a difference. And I promise you, you have to trust me, okay? That if you start doing something that's changing lives, and because you do what you do, they, people got go to heaven and stuff, your stress levels go down because now you're living what your life's all about. I promise you. Here, here are a few verses just to encourage you. 
So Lord, great prayer to pray. Put a star next to it and say, pray this prayer. All right, write that down. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand an entire lifetime. It's just a moment to you, God. Human existence is but a breath. I will remind myself of that every day. I will live with a sense of, of a purpose and urgency. And I love this little parable because it really speaks to even our finances and our time very well. When Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure in a field. Let me stop right there and say there is something out there that if you find it, it's treasure for you. I would like to think that that treasure is your purpose. It's the reason why you were created. But it's a, tre- it's a hidden treasure right now. You've got to go find it. But when a man did find it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, sold everything else he was doing and went and bought that field. I'm going to live the rest of my life doing that. What is that field? What is that field that, 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 we, that we should give our lives to? Here, here it is. The things that last forever. You trust me in this. You're going you're gonna to wish when all this is over that you did things that made a difference for eternity. Here's the second one. I'm just giving you principles so that you can figure out what to do with your time and your money. I promise you this. If you figure out what to do with your time and your money, your stress levels will go down. I promise you. And you do it by knowing why you're here. You live with purpose and urgency. And then you put first things first. I'm just, there's just only a few things that I'm going to do and I'll make sure I do them. I mean, there's a lot of options, a lot of opportunities and a lot of social media to look at. There's a lot of things out there and I don't mind doing all that stuff, but I'm going to put Tammy first. I'm going to put God first. I'm going to put my family first. I'm going to put you, I'm going to put you first. And then if all that other stuff fits in, well, praise God, I'll I'll try to do some other stuff too, but I'm going to put some first things first. Lord, teach us. I love this prayer. To number our days, recognize I only have a few of them, and help me spend them as I should. How do I spend them as I should? Jesus himself said, seek first kingdom things, righteousness. He takes care of everything else. Now, I'm not talking about money today, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm putting God first in my finances. God's getting my first. This church, (laughs) you, you, you guys, I hope you know. I hope you know, I don't say this because there's any need around here. We, we're completely debt-free by the grace of God, everybody, and we're able to do a lot for others, but I promise you one of the best decisions that you'll ever make is to put God first in your finances. Get, get, put God first in your time. When you wake up in the morning, put, put God first in your prayer time. Put God first. If you do, you'll, you'll, you'll be surprised how everything else settles itself. And here's the last one. I'm just giving you principles to help you decide how to do your time and your money. Because those are two huge, Psalm 62 says, you fix those two things, find rest, oh my soul. How? I know why I'm here. I've got, I have purpose, and I know I only have a little bit of time, so I, I live with urgency. I'm going to put first things first. I can't do everything, but I'm going to make sure I know what the big things are and put those in my life first. And then here's the last one, and that is I'm going to keep my heart set on heaven. Even after all of that, I'm going to lower my expectations of earth. Please write that down, you note takers. Lower my expectations of earth. I need to lower my expectations of earth. I personally believe it's an American gospel that says, oh yeah, we can have everything that heaven has here. By the grace of God, look in my eyes, church. 
By the grace of God, God has allowed us to live a very good life. But earth was never intended to be heaven. And if you raise that expectation that, no, everything has to work out here, you'll stay stressed. Because when someone dies, it'll, 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 it'll drive you crazy. Because you're like, well, I wanted them here. But if you understand eternity, you go, well, I'm going there. I'm telling you, the generation before us understood it. They didn't have what we had. I watched my, 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 my grandparents. They didn't have anything. They, they lived through the depression and really didn't have much at all. And I watched how happy they were. I've been to orphanages in Mexico and in places around the world and seeing those little kids play with a stick all day long, happier than any kid with 12 digital devices in their, in their room. I've watched it. I've watched it. Why? Because they don't have their hope in the wrong place. They have their eyes set. Some glad morning, when this life is over, I'm going to fly away. Heaven came down. Glory filled my soul. They would sing about heaven, 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 heaven. Just oh, all, all about heaven. That's why Paul said, you stressed? I don't lose heart. Because even though all hell is breaking loose in the world around me, outwardly I'm being wasted away. Everything, everything you look at is decaying as we speak. Yet inwardly I'm being renewed day by day. Now watch this. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So how do you do that, Paul? How do you do it? Oh, I have my eyes fixed. I ain't looking at all this. I, was, I just had my high eyes set on heaven. Not on the things that are seen, but instead on the things that are unseen. For these seen things are temporary anyway. And those unseen things, oh, those are the eternal ones. Jesus did the same thing. His disciples came to him in the, in, in the You Asked For It series and said, how do you handle stress? Jesus said, oh, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And look where he goes. Look, 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 look where he watch, watch, watch. In my father's house. You, you would think he says, come over here, guys. Let me pray for you. You're, you're, you're getting ready to just feel just fine. He goes, no, you're, you're going to feel bad for a while, but we all go to heaven soon. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. I just couldn't give you this stress message and leave you with the expectation that you can get your time and your money and everything in order and you will never have stress again. You will. So sorry. But you can have ultimate joy. The Bible calls it the blessed hope when you have your eyes fixed, not on the hope of earth, but on the hope of heaven. And at the end of the day, Jesus offers you today more than a better now. He offers more than a better now. Jesus offers a better place. And so the most important decision you'll ever make today is, are you ready to go to that place? Every head bowed eyes are closed. Please be very still as you can. Even the team that is helping me, would you just be still just for a moment? People are making decisions of faith. Just pray this prayer in your heart. Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say to me? For some of you, it's time to get your time in order. You need to go home today and 
get in, a, get in a lawn chair under a tree and start looking at your schedule and your life and just reordering some things. Some of you today say, you know what? I've got to simplify my finances. I need to get on a budget. I need, I need to stop trying to do everything. Maybe you'll need some help. Maybe you need to get in a group. One of the many groups that we have that help you get out of debt and find some freedom there. Go ahead and make some decisions. But the most important decision you'll ever make is the decision that one day I get to leave this place and be with Jesus. Let me ask you this question. Are you ready? Are you ready? If the Lord came back today, are you ready? And if you're not, you don't need to join this church. That's not part of the deal. We'd, be, we'd love for you to, but salvation has nothing to do with church membership. Salvation is the moment where you surrender the control of your life over to Jesus. It's the moment you say, take my life, take it. I'm going to live my life for you, Jesus. And if you're prepared to do that, that's a decision you can make seated right there in your chair. At all of our locations, we're going to pray for those of you who say, that's the prayer I want to pray today. There are some of you who are Christians. You're just far from God and you're ready to come home. We're not going to make you stand up or come down to the front, but we do want to pray this prayer right there with you. But the Bible says you need to acknowledge God. You need to let him know that's me. And I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. With no one looking around. You want to be included in that prayer. Chris, count me in when you pray that prayer. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus or to come back to God. At every location, I want you to slip your hand up and say, count me in. Come on, lift it up. Good, 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 good. Just lift it up, leave it up. There you go, good. Good, good, good. All over this room. God bless you. Way at the top. Thank you. Very top over here. Very top over here. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Good. Thank you, sir. It's the best. It's my favorite thing to see every week. People surrendering their life to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. All over this room. God bless you today. Slip those hands down and just let me help you with a prayer. I'm going to give you words, but you can say your own words. You can just say these in your heart. Just make it your own. Just pray it with sincerity. Say, Jesus, thank you for paying for my sins. Thank you for going to the cross and dying for me. Today I receive what you did for me. I surrender the control of my life to you. Make it personal and say, Jesus, be my Lord. Be number one in my life. With all of my heart, I'm going to live for you today. I give you my life, everything. And Lord, for every person who just prayed that prayer, thank you, you made a home in heaven for them. Thank you, their sins are not just forgiven they're gone they're erased you, you you've wiped them out as far as the east is from the west god thank you now your power lives in them to live a brand new life they're never the same in jesus name amen and amen congratulate about look like 50 70 people made the best decisions come on church you can do better than that that's pretty awesome